0: Hello. So, another day, another morning thoughts. Yesterday I kind of skipped one just cause I had a lot of anxiety over making the video in the morning. I don't know, just didn't, didn't feel right to do it yesterday. I didn't know what I was going to talk about. I didn't have any kind of clear thoughts to present. They're all just mixed up in my mind, so I took the day off. Uh, it's actually a good thing because today I know exactly what I want to talk about because I had a little barbecue yesterday. So some friends came over. We talked about all sorts of things, you know, philosophies, and just, just everything. It was, it was a great time. But towards the end, uh, we started talking a little bit about Bitcoin, and why it's important in today's day and age, and what's going on with it. So I figured, why not talk about the crazy, crazy mumbo-jumbo economics of today? I call them, you know, crazy economics, because they really are wild. I mean, we're living through a time where our economic theories are pretty much brand new, or untested, and we're doing things we've never done before, we're kind of throwing away the old handbook and guide of how to run economies, how to, you know, have these economic rules by people to live by in society, out the window, no need for that, we'll try something completely new, crazy times, so, you know, first, I think I should kind of say, a little bit about how I think economics should be. I think we should be living in a world where prices are stable, maybe even slightly deflationary, where savers get rewarded for saving and investing money and being responsible with their finances. Because it seems like our whole financial world is just out of control with spenders right now, consumers. And people who just take on enormous amounts of debts. And it's reflected in how our governments operate. It's one and the same. The government, the people, corporations, everything. Everything from top down in society is just running on insane amounts of debt, insane amounts of IOU, at least here in North America. Now, I'm sure other parts of the world, like maybe Africa, can't afford that privilege, quote-unquote privilege, because I, I think it's actually a horrible curse in the long run, but the privilege of borrowing money. Some people aren't granted that privilege. Like economies in Africa, certain economies in Asia, actually even certain economies in Europe are having a tough time borrowing money. See Greece, for example, or or Italy, where their interest rates are starting to really, really rise there. And it's pricing them out of all of this cheap debt that we get the privileged access to, but I think a stable, a pow- not even no no not even a stable because stable is the wrong word, uh, a growing a powerful economy needs to reward its savers. It needs to reward people who are financially literate and people who are financially educated. Uh, so, you know. If you're a saver, your purchasing power should be maintained. It should even go up. Because to me, it seems like in a free market capitalist economy, prices should go down. Theoretically, and it's how it used to be before all of our modern monetary theory, under capitalism, prices dropped. Companies competed with each other. Entrepreneurs woke up every morning and said, hmm, How can I make my product better today? How can I make it cheaper and more valuable to my customer so I can outcompete my competition and win more money? That's how it used to be. And so all the prices dropped. Everyone was better off because now a cup of coffee that, you know, came from Colombia, which used to cost, let's say a single cup at a restaurant, used to cost roughly one hour of wage. For, for the average person, I don't know, it might have been 5 cents back in like 1965 or something like that. So 5 cents would have been, in equivalent terms, roughly one hour of, of minimum wage or average wage or however you want to calculate it. Today, it should be a lot cheaper. We have all of this fancy machinery, all of this incredible technology, all of this experience in logistics and transportation. All of this experience in farming and agriculture, farming those coffee beans, transporting them here, even just getting the fuel out of the ground, oil is cheaper, the energy is cheaper than it's ever been to move those container ships and then the logistics to distribute them to all the centers here, all the restaurants here. Uh, Everything, we're just more efficient now as an economy because that's just a natural progress. Of technology and capitalism. So, by an equivalent, the coffee should cost a lot less than five cents now. Should it not? But it costs about five bucks. So what's happened? Well, you tell me. You tell me what happened. <laughs> I don't freaking know. It's, to me, it's crazy. To me, it doesn't really make sense. And I mean, some people tell me, oh, Chris, it's inflation. Yeah, but Why do we have inflation? I just explained how under a free market capitalist economy, there should be deflation in prices. Stuff should get cheaper, stuff should get more valuable, more useful to the end consumer. Businesses should be competing to provide cheaper products, cheaper services with more value. And the more of this competition there is, the more choice the consumer has and the more opportunities a consumer, like you and I, have to choose and pick which one we want, which is the best price, which is the best value, what's giving me the most for my money. And that brings prices down across the board, at least it should, until coffee goes from five cents to five dollars, I don't know, here in Canada, I'm sure I can buy coffee for like 10 bucks if I went to like Starbucks even, I mean that's insane. But at least on one hand, if you measure it not in terms of dollars, but in terms of man hours worked or people hours worked. uh, At minimum wage, it's about half an hour now, half an hour to an hour. So it did kind of come down, I suppose, because five cents back in 1965 would have been roughly an hour of work, maybe two hours at minimum wage. But an hour of work at like the average, median, somewhere, somewhere there. And today, five bucks to ten bucks for your cup of coffee is an hour to half an hour of work, depending on how you measure it, for the average person. Because there's there's rich people that probably make a hundred bucks an hour. So that will be one-tenth of their hourly time spent to afford that cup of coffee. But it goes for everything, not just a cup of coffee, it goes for homes housing prices are through the roof, and if you're a saver, say you saved up $100,000 across 10 years, <laughs> where'd that money go? It just inflated away. It became, became less valuable. You, you had your purchasing power taken from you. It's not like the house got more valuable, in fact, it probably got less valuable. Now it's more of a liability, it's a bit older, if you want to maintain it more, uh, you might have some problems, you might have to renovate it. So if anything, older houses get less valuable. And of course there's probably some push and pull uh, in terms of market dynamics when it comes to like supply and demand. Maybe there's more people that want to come and live in the city in this uh, limited space So there's more demand for a limited amount of stuff, so prices come up, but at the same time uh, our technology is getting better, we're able to build houses for cheaper, we're able to build skyscrapers taller, so we're able to put more uh, more units, more housing units in the same given amount of land. So demand catches up and the push-pull of supply and demand should equalize. If anything, still bring the prices down and that's not, it's not happening, Uh, it's not happening, houses are completely unaffordable for somebody like me, that's why I still live at home, not complaining, I love living at home, it's wonderful here, Uh, but it's unaffordable for someone like me in my generation, where we only have the purchasing power to buy a cup of coffee off of one hour of labor, and maybe buy a house off of let's say I make 20 bucks an hour a decent house is like $400,000 here where I live so 400,000 divided by 20 that's uh, 10,000 no 20,000 yeah 20,000 hours after work 20,000 hours spend zero just to afford a house you tell me how that's fair 20,000 hours that's that's ridiculous So, you work 40 hours a week times 50 weeks. uh, 40 times 50. By the way, I haven't uh, practiced my mental math in a long, long time. And it's a little bit stressful on camera to do it live, too. Anyways, 4 times 5 is 20 times 10 times 10, so 2000. Hope I'm getting that right. 40 times 50, yeah, 2000. So, I can work 2,000 hours. In a year, and what did I say before? I needed 20,000 hours. That's 10 years. 10 years of working nonstop, not spending a single dollar. How's that possible? You know, if I were to spend money, and let's say I'm, I'm super frugal and I save half of my money, somehow I'm able to save half my money, and the rest, the other half, I spend on well, housing because that's a big expense, all the other shit. It'll take me a long ass time 20 years to save up for a house and by then who knows maybe prices have gone up even more because we live in a world of inflation they say it's two percent but I think it's close to like five to ten percent you know what maybe I should make a truth serum about this because oh, this can go on for a long time but I'm just saying it's ridiculous mumbo-jumbo economics because the saver somebody who's responsible gets punished they they're outpriced outbid by the people who get all this extra firepower into their bidding completely skewing market dynamics with debt see it's it's just extra bidding firepower when you have all of this cheap debt around my competitor can go get a mortgage for 400,000 and boom bid for that house right now and then they're stuck in payments, in, in in like debt servitude for 20, 30, 40 years to pay off that mortgage. And I'm not sure I want to take that kind of uh, a weight on my life, that kind of a responsibility. Because now I'd have all of this debt that I owe to the bank, and it would just be such an... Anxious state to live in. They could take my house at any moment if I stop making payments. If uh, coronavirus comes around, round two, and I lose my job, I lose my house, all my life savings evaporate. They get to take all of my money as collateral to pay off the loan that I own. It's just it's such a screwed up system. Such a screwed up system, man. why prices should be coming down not going up so all this inflation you see why do we have it why do we have it and you know what I'll explain it on truth serum why I I think some of this is happening because I don't want this uh, morning thoughts thing to go on too long I like to keep them short but it's a good question why do we have inflation why do prices go up Why is everything so expensive? Why are our wages so low today in relation to how expensive everything is? In another sense, why is our purchasing power so low compared to like previous generations? What's going on? Why is our economy on the brink of collapse when it gets shut down for a couple of months? Why is nobody saving? Why is everybody in debt? to the max like leveraged up to the maximum possible from citizens to companies and corporations to our own government everything from top to bottom debt to the maximum so much debt that they're saying it's impossible to pay off unless there is a consistent 3 to 5% growth and if we don't hit those growth targets, if we stay stable even for a little bit, not even talking about negative, not even talking about a, a recession or a depression, even if if the economy stays stable, even if our, our jobs stay stable, impossible to pay off this debt. What's going on? What's going on here? And I, it's 15 minutes here. I could see my little timer edging me on. Maybe I'll go over. I can do whatever I want, you know, why am I so stressed? I'll go over a bit, I'll give you guys an extra five minutes here. So this brings me to Bitcoin and a new way to do money democratically, to bring that power back to the people, so that we can vote on a free market without all of these extra special interests, without all of these extra rules and regulations put in place that seem to really screw people over, you know, bring back that free market capitalism again through the power of a decentralized internet, through the power of a new type of monetary system, through blockchain, through responsibility. You know, because Bitcoin puts the power of not just the bank account, an entire bank, like imagine having the power of the Swiss bank in your pocket, or the power of the federal printing press, Federal Reserve of the United States of America, in your own pocket, imagine equalizing the playing field that way, where you're no longer trusting this big and powerful bank, big and powerful government entity, to take care of your money, you take care of yourself. You choose the rules of the game and how to enforce them yourself rather than having somebody else do it for you and potentially take advantage of you. Steal your money away through inflation intentionally or unintentionally. Uh, Skew the balance of the economic forces by providing cheap debt. Cheap debt that the market would never have paid for, I mean, if somebody's credit is bad and they're on the maximum, complete maximum of how much debt they can afford under a free market, who would lend that person more money? I mean, they've already taken on more than they can afford and they're struggling to pay off the debt. Who in their right mind would give them more money and say, yeah, no problem here pay off your previous debt using this new debt, <laughs> and then when it's time to pay me back, I hope somebody else is dumb enough to give you more money, more debt to pay me off, it seems like a bit of a Ponzi scheme to me, or a pyramid scheme to me, it doesn't seem right, but that's what's happening today, and that's what I was saying, uh, free market would never give us such low interest rates, they'd charge us more, because we'd be a riskier asset. So like I said, if it's hard to pay off your money, and you see the person is struggling to pay off their debts, you wouldn't give them a 2% interest rate. You'd say, well, you know, you're a high risk, so I need a large reward to justify lending you money. Maybe I'll offer you a 10% interest rate, 15% interest rate, and then the person might say, well, I don't know, I can't afford that much. Could you do 12%? You're like, no, I can't do 12 Can't do 12, I actually want 15. And then the person says, No, I can't afford your debt. And it helps both parties, because now me as the lender, I avoid the super risky asset of you potentially never paying me back. And then you avoid the problem of having more debt, more on your shoulders that you can't afford. You're not lying to yourself. The market's not lying to you, saying, Yeah, yeah, you can afford as much debt as possible. Here, take more. No, there's a balance. And you say, well, I can't afford it anymore. I guess I have to pay off my debts now so that I can afford the privilege of borrowing money later again by proving to the world I can pay this off right now fairly. But instead, we've got 0% interest rates, potentially negative interest rates soon where (laughs) you get paid to borrow money. I mean, How insane is that? How insane is that? But, I mean, we're so deep in the hole, it's like, no wonder we've got 0% interest rates. If nobody can afford their payments, imagine if interest rates went up by 1% and everybody went bankrupt. Big problem. That would be a big problem. So maybe lowering interest rates is the right move. You lower interest rates and suddenly everybody can afford some payments. It's a hell of a lot less than what it might be. B, if interest rates were 5%. But at least you're getting some kind of money back, right? Instead of getting 5% interest, you get 2% interest or 1% interest. It's better than nothing. It's better than the person saying, fuck it. I'm bankrupt. I'm defaulting. So you get something out of it. But is that sustainable? Because then you're just... It's like giving the heroin addict more drugs. You know, they're so deeply... addicted to this cheap money, this cheap debt, that the withdrawal symptoms might kill them, might literally kill them. So you've got to give them a little bit, you've got to wean them off, but in giving them more, you're just perpetuating the problem forward, kicking the can down the road. I don't know, man, it's, it's wild. So yeah, I guess I'll see you on Truth Serum, where I'll talk about this for a much longer time, because I goddamn love economics, and it really gets my brain going, I really get buzzing in there, and it's just so exciting, even though it's crazy, and I don't agree with it, I still love to think about it and talk about it, because boy oh boy is our financial world just completely bonkers today, anyways, good luck out there. Read up on Bitcoin, see what it's like, read up on all this financial stuff, get educated, don't trust me, don't trust your bank, don't trust your government outright, do your own research and then figure out who's right, who's wrong for yourself. I'll see you next time.